How many are fighting allergies? You're battling the allergies. Okay. How many are taking the allergy pills? Okay. Yeah. Oh, and how many have got the dry throat? So bear with me as I take a drink of water here. Mm. My goodness. I, and I think I have fleas, so there you go. Oh, my goodness. It's good to be in God's house with you all. Good to be in God's house with you all. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. Try to preach a message this morning. If the resurrection is a myth, what happens? If the resurrection is a myth, what happens? 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. The Bible says, Apostle Paul here, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are all are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up if so be that the dead rise not for if the dead rise not then is not Christ raised and if Christ be not raised your faith is vain yet are yet ye are yet in your sins then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Bow your heads with me and pray as I pray that God would have his will and way in your heart this morning. Oh yes, go ahead and pray for your neighbor, but open your heart and let him commune with you this morning. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we're so thankful that today we can meet together in a free country, surround your word, and read those words that you lived, and, and Lord, that your Holy Spirit inspired, and God, we know and understand that you want to commune with us. Father, those that know you as Savior have the Holy Spirit living within us, and dear God, we know that you want to do business with us this morning. Father, may we yield ourselves to do that, just that. We praise you this morning because we celebrate this day the world calls it Easter Sunday. We call it Resurrection Day. And God, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. The tomb is empty. God, do a work in our lives today. There may be some here, Lord, that do not know you as Savior. I pray that they'll listen closely and understand and know that today you would save them. There may be some child of God here that's just wandered away from you. They need to know that today you would bring them back into your arms. There may be some here today that are looking for a church home. God, whatever the need, 
may we respond in kind. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Last week we spoke on Calvary, the place of the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice went back into the Old Testament a little bit and talked about the sacrifices and how the, the priest would put his hands on the head of the beast that was going to be slain and sacrificed and that was saying you are now the sacrifice for all these people and that's what happened to Jesus Christ as God sent him to Calvary and he died on the cross of Calvary and he took our sin he placed as if it were his hands on the head of Jesus and placed all of our sins on him why that none of us none of us would have to die and go to hell See, the cross was meant for you and me. It was meant for you and me. That was my cross. Mm. Today we want to speak about the resurrection. Amen? Some may ask, what difference does the resurrection of Christ make? It's a well-known fact that from the beginning, there were those that doubted. On, on that Sunday... On that Sunday, the resurrection day, the chief priest heard that the tomb was empty. And he called the men who had been guarding the tomb. Well, go ahead and take your Bibles and open to Matthew 28 again. We're going to pick up where Brother Jeremy left off. Matthew chapter 28 and a verse 11. And the priest called the men together who had been guarding the tomb and offered them money. Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. The Bible says, Now when they were going, behold... Some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, all oh, they bribed them, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure him, so secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. There are those that still believe that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. Why? Can't believe in the resurrection. Years and decades, centuries have passed. And still the ultimate point of attack has always been right here at the empty tomb. That's where they attacked the resurrection, the truth behind what we call Easter Sunday. Let's face it, death is forever with us. Death is all around us. Funeral homes never go out of business. If you're looking for a good business to get in, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah? Grocery stores or funeral homes, they don't go out of business. You know why? We are a death sentence people. Read the obituaries. I read obituaries. Quit having to take the paper. I don't let my father-in-law read the obituaries. He goes, most of these people are in here at this age. Oh, he, he studies it. <laughs> he studies it. He's like one of those guys. He looks in there to see if he's in there. He's, that's what he'd tell you. 95. The obituaries. They change every day. Why? People keep dying. Some are older. Some you expect. Well, they were 85 years old. Oh, that's when lived to be 98. Sometimes you read about someone when they're 45. What happened? They got sick. What happened? They got in a car wreck. Sometimes you read about an 18-year-old. 
I read about one the other day. Full of life. And then he was in an auto accident. He's gone. Sometimes it's a baby. Sometimes it's sudden infant death syndrome. Death is all around us. Guess what? No one can claim exemption to death. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. The fact that Jesus died, it's not a problem for most people. But the big problem is the resurrection. That's the big problem. You know, when we look down the road and we see a hearse and we see several cars falling behind it, we know what's going on. Someone has died. But there's no category for those rising from the dead. What a difference. What difference would it have made had Jesus not risen from the dead? What would be different in our world today? I'm talking about you, in your world today, if you found out that Jesus was still dead, what difference would that make to you? Now, I need to say something here. It's not in my notes that some of us live our lives in such a way that it probably wouldn't impact us very much at all, which is frightening to think. Because my God, when he saved me, he put a new desire in my heart. He caused me to want to be in his house. He caused me to want to follow him. Are you saying you're perfect? Absolutely not. Just ask Alice. I am not perfect. But we have new desire. Oh, we battle with that old man, don't we? But this what-if question has been asked for 2,000 years. It's a biblical question. It's a biblical question. And that's what we read this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 20. Seven times in those nine verses, nine verses, Paul uses the little word if, the little word if to show us how much hangs on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul, in a sense, is playing devil's advocate here to prove a point. You know, we need to be reminded that an astounding miracle lies at the heart of our faith. You understand that? It's an astounding miracle that God rose from the dead. No other God can claim that. There are all the other gods, all the other prophets, they're in the grave. Their bones are there if you went hunting for them. That's where you'd find them. But we believe that something absolutely incredible, that a man who was dead came back to life on the third day, we believe that God raised him from the dead. Sometimes, I think, as children of God, we forget how amazing that sounds. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. That's a miracle. That's amazing. I mean, you go to the cemetery, and if you're waiting for a resurrection, most likely you're going to be there for quite a while. I mean, you got a lot of people going in, but not anybody coming out unless they're visiting. You see plenty of funerals, but no resurrections. What are the chances that a man who's been tortured and then crucified, then buried in a tomb, would raise from the dead? My. I would submit the odds would be dramatically against it. Dramatically against it. So when we come to this passage, and we read this passage, we need to kind of clear-headed and know what Paul's doing. Paul's saying, what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? What if 
What if Easter, the resurrection, isn't really true? That's what he's saying here. Paul answers that question by showing us four consequences of what would happen if Christ had not risen from the dead. And we need to pay close attention to each one. The first one, if there's no resurrection, our preaching is without purpose. Go to verse 14 and 15. The Bible says, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Focus on one word there. Vain. Vain. The word vain. The word means without content. Without content. It means that all that we have learned has come to nothing. Nothing. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then I don't care how educated you are. How educated you are in God's Word. How educated you are. Perhaps you've gone to a, a seminary and gone on and you've got your THD now and you've got your master's and all that. It amounts to nothing. That's what Paul means. You can have all this education behind your name. You can be a preacher and preach until you pass out. Oh my goodness, you've seen the people pass out. <laughs> They'll sit there and kind of nod off. Wouldn't that be something to see a preacher just pass out? Man, he just preached too long. You can have the biggest church in the world. You could fill stadiums with crowds. If the tomb's empty, you're wasting your time. That's what Paul's saying here. Secondly, if there's no resurrection, our faith is without forgiveness. Verse 17. says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. And ye are yet in your sins. The word vain is slightly different here, slightly different meaning in that it means which produces no results. No content produces no results. It's like a, somebody promised you something and then never fulfills it. It's like a, going on a trip. Where are you going? I don't know. No destination. It's like uh, reading a story and you come to that last page and you turn it and it's blank. It's like planting a seed and there's no crop. Think of it this way. We like to say that Christ died for our sins. But how do we know that his death actually accomplished anything? If Christ had remained in the tomb, we could never be sure that God had accepted his, his sacrifice. How miserable. How miserable it would be to never know if your sins, my sins, have been forgiven, had been forgiven. We have that promise in 1 John 5.13 talks about that we can know that we are saved and understand that our sins are forgiven. But if he remained in the tomb? Okay, go back in your mind's eye. Put yourself back in this week where all this hustle and bustle is going on. This Passover week. 
things are happening. We come to the end of the week, and they put Jesus on trial, a fake mock trial. And they say, give us Barabbas. And then they put Christ on the cross. And now he's dead. And he's in the tomb. At that point in time, I submit there would have been very, 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 very few, if any, knowing, wondering if his death actually accomplished anything. He was with me just the other day, now he's dead. It looked like the devil had won. After all, Jesus had said in John 19.30, It is finished! It is finished! Well, what was finished? If he doesn't rise from the dead, then Jesus is finished. And the story's over, and guess what? We're still in our sins. That's why we celebrate the resurrection. That's why it's so important. Easter Sunday. It's as if God says amen to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Jesus cried out and said, it is finished. It is finished. That's what is at issue here. It's what Paul is talking about here. He's teaching here. Are we truly forgiven or not? If Christ has been raised, then the answer is yes. And we all should say amen. If Christ is still in the tomb, the answer is no. Thirdly, if there's no resurrection, our death is without deliverance. Look at verse 18. Then they also which are asleep in Christ are perished. Paul's painting a bleak picture here. Paul says that Christians who have died have fallen asleep in Christ. The Greek word here that they use for fallen asleep is where we get our word cemetery. Did you know that? Cemetery. In the beginning, cemetery was a distinctly, a distinctly Christian word. Why? It means a sleeping place. It means a sleeping place. That's where Christians would bury their dead. In the sleeping place. Why'd they say that? Because when you go to sleep, you expect to wake up. Amen? Amen. Think with me. Think with me. I'm going to mention some names. I'm thinking now of some people. I'm thinking of Jerry Delaney. I'm thinking of Bob Martin. I'm thinking of Pete Pedroza. I'm thinking of Ben Perez. I'm thinking of Linda Barnhart. I'm thinking of Grandma Lucy. I'm thinking of Jerry Underwood. I'm thinking of Art and Donna Cullop. I'm thinking of Mike Fox and so many more and so many more. It's hard to mention those names without memories flooding your heart and mind and without a smile coming over your face. What should we say about their future?
What shall we say about their future? Is this the end? Will we ever see him again? Paul's answer is very clear. If Christ has not been raised, then death wins. If he's still in the tomb, there's no hope for anyone. This life is all there is, and all who are dead will stay dead forever. Fourthly, if there's no resurrection, our service is without significance. Look at verse 19. If in this life we have hope in Christ, and if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If Christ's not raised, we're just fooling ourselves. We're just fooling ourselves. If he's still in the tomb, then all the skeptics are correct. I don't believe in God. I don't know if there's a God. The skeptic. If there's no foundation for our faith, then we are nothing but self-deceived fools. If Christ is not raised, we have no message to preach. If Christ is not raised, then there's no God to hear your prayer. If Christ is not raised, you're not saved. If Christ is not raised, then we might as well just bring the missionaries home. We might as well just sell the church property. Why? Because for 2,000 years, we've all been wrong. Sometimes you might hear a well-meaning Christian say, well, even if that's not true, it'd still be better to be a Christian. Think of all the things you gain by a Christian. What? He's not your Savior. You gain nothing. If he's still in the tomb, you don't have him in your heart. If he's still in the tomb, you're just playing religious games. If Jesus is still in the tomb, it's not better to be a Christian. That's how Paul was putting it. You know what? Paul didn't want to play games. Guess what? Neither do I. Are you playing games this morning? How real is this God to you? I don't want to come to the end of my life and discover that I preach something that isn't true. I don't want to come to the end of my life knowing that I've misled people into a false hope. And see, folks, if Christ's dead, then we deserve the pity of all men and women because we believe the lie. So we come to the end of Paul's if, if Christ had not been raised. Our preaching is without purpose. Our faith is without forgiveness. Our death is without deliverance, and our service is without significance. If, 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 seven ifs. Is there any answer, any hope, any reason to believe in the resurrection of the dead? Verse 20. But now. Oh, I'm sorry, I just get chills. But now. Praise God for but now. Here is Paul's answer. It's clear as a bell. It's bright as the sun. This truth is coming with no mixture of doubt. He says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Praise God. Amen. Consider how much hangs on those two words. But now. But now. 
the resurrection of Jesus, our coming resurrection, the resurrection of all those I read about this morning, and I mentioned the names, and the resurrection of all those who died in faith, depends on those two little words, but now, but now, but now, up from the grave he arose, but now with a mighty triumph over his foes, but now he arose a victor over the dark domain, but now he lives forever with his saints to reign, but now he arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose, praise God. The term first fruits refers to the first part of the harvest. For the Israelites, it meant the first part of the barley harvest that was offered to the Lord. And it was a happy day when you offered the first fruits because it meant that there was a bigger harvest to come. The resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago. It's God's way of saying, one day, one day, all my children will rise from the dead. Praise God. One day. Not one of them will be left in the grave. Every single one will be raised. Think of it. Think of it. We'll be immortal. Think with me. We'll be incorruptible. We'll be perfect. We'll be complete. Free from sickness. Free from death. No more defects. No more limps. No more bad ankles. We'll have clear minds. We'll have undivided hearts oh my we'll see the saints of old get to know Abraham Esther Spurgeon we'll marvel at the grace of God forever we'll see Jesus and we'll bow down before him and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our hope, our faith, and our confidence. This is the faith of our ancestors. I'll get to meet relatives from hundreds of years ago that I never knew but had received Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is what the earliest Christians believed. This is what the Christians around the world today believe. It's no small thing to say that a person now dead will someday rise and live again. We need to keep that in mind. It's miraculous. We see the present. God sees the future. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came back from the dead never to die again. Praise God. It's done. It is finished. He was taken to heaven where he now sits on the right hand of the Father. And there's coming a day when the dead in Christ will rise first. And there's a coming a day when he will return to earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, the doubters are going to say what they want. But as a child of God, I pray that you will gladly join in with me as we rejoice that Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. The grave will not win in the end. And one day, all these cemeteries are going to become resurrection territories. Oh, wow. The resurrection, the resurrection 
is of utmost importance. Therefore, our preaching does have purpose. Our faith has forgiveness. Our death will have deliverance. And our service has significance. How is your service this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening intently with me as we listen to God speak to our hearts. Folks, let's just praise God and sing for our Lord has conquered the grave. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. I mentioned early on, there may be some here that do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I need to let you know that Christ died for you. He died for the sin of all mankind. He's not willing that any should perish. His shed blood paid the penalty of all man's sin. All we must do is recognize that you're a sinner, receive him, and save us. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart, God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you're here this morning, you're looking for a church home. Is God speaking to your heart about McKee Road Baptist? He fitly joins the bodies together. Child of God, perhaps you're walking hand in hand with Satan. You're not walking with the Lord as you should. Why don't you come and get your heart right with God today? And then I would just say this, Makiro Baptist, where are we as far as our service? Does your service have, have significance? Or do you even serve? Whatever it is that God has spoken to you about this morning, I pray that when the invitation begins, you'll not let that first note go to the second before you start down here to the aisle, to, to the altar, and make things right with God. Father, we pray that you'd have your will in your way, in everyone's heart, especially mine. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.